Are you sometimes challenged by students being off task or not transitioning well between activities? Today's episode is a leveling up episode where I coach Victoria, who is a Spanish teacher in Virginia. Now, creating smooth transitions and keeping students on task more consistently is the area where she wants to level up her teaching practice. So let's start the conversation. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mis amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and today we have a leveling up episode, as I'm calling them, and this is a coaching episode. And today I'm going to be talking with Victoria, and Victoria's in Virginia, and she is a middle school Spanish teacher, grades five through eight, and she wants to talk about looking at behavior management in the classroom. That's the real technical way of looking at it, but just looking at how do we address disruptions and not abandon the target language and things like that. So want to quickly thank you for being here because you're an awesome teacher because you're doing what? You're listening to a podcast about language teaching. And who does that? You do that because you're awesome. So thank you so much. So Victoria, welcome to the World Language Classroom podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me and I appreciate the opportunity. Okay. So I gave a little teaser that we're going to be having a conversation today about sort of behavior management in the classroom to give it a hoity-toity term. But can you talk to us a little bit about what this issue looks like for you and what you're looking to improve on? I guess it's going back and forth between me addressing the class, if it's during a lesson, and then Oftentimes what happens is students get excited or conversation comes up sometimes about what we're talking about. But then going back to listening, sometimes it's, it's hard for them to, to, to get their attention to go back to that and not just break out into conversation in English and being excited. And in looking at this, I always think that it's important to always address these situations in a way that's constructive, which is what you're saying, get them back to what we were doing. And we want it to be effective and also equitably, because depending on the different students in our classroom, we just want to make sure that what we're doing is with an equitable lens. And of course, we want it to be effective and get it back on track. Now, this is where I like to start to build a goal for this conversation. So as we get to that, to start looking at some suggestions the first thing I would like to ask you is, can you think of a specific example? It can be any one of your classes, any lesson you've been in, where you have felt like this is off track, this is off the rails, I need to do something to rein this back in. What does that look like and feel like in that situation? Like sometimes whenever we're doing TPR and doing different gestures, at times, they, they start having a conversation or maybe not participating as much. Um, another example would be whenever they're, they're doing work at their desk and they might wander off and 
talk to another group instead of focusing on on what they're doing. And so when you have these situations, let's take the TPR one as an example, mm-hmm. where you're doing some speaking, they're doing their gestures in response to show their understanding. That's what we're talking about, right? When you talk mm-hmm. about doing a TPR activity, okay? Mm-hmm. So when that happens and you see that they're getting off task or they're giggling or joking about something or talking to a partner or somebody else in the class, in that moment, what has been your go-to rein that back in and get the train back on the track? Well, there are a couple of call and responses that I've taught my students, and that sometimes helps. Although I, I'm still experimenting with what works best mm-hmm. because some of the call and responses might be, well, not just call and response, I guess attention getters. For example, mm-hmm. there's just the me raising my hand and then everybody else raising their hand, which is sometimes preferable because call and response, I have found if there's too much talking and they can't hear me, then it's harder to get their attention that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I've, I've used, so I've used the raising of the hand, I've used call and response, like I say, classe, classe, and they say, see, sí, see. Sí. And I've also used clapping. So I've taught them. Like kind of like the salsa rhythm where I clap three times and then they do the taunt taunt, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Clap, which they work at times, but sometimes they do it and then they, you know, into conversation again after. Mm -hmm. So so it, it takes practice. Yeah. What do you think is contributing to students doing that? Like, why do you think they might be getting off task or they'll do the call and response and then not stick to it? What do you think is contributing to that happening? Well, I will say it depends on the class. The one Mm -hmm. that comes up for me right now um, is my seventh grade class where they're good friends and they just enjoy talking to each other and joking. And because I can I have a side of me that can be very friendly and fun. and, and, And I think sometimes it gets blurred a little bit, the lines, because you know, they're funny and they're clever. And and at times I respond to that. So I I don't know if that's part of it, maybe where Mm -hmm. sometimes they feel like things are a little bit looser in my class because of that. So what I'm hearing there, and please tell me, no, Joshua, that's not what I mean at all. But what I'm hearing there is these disruptions, I'm calling them disruptions, but I don't even know if they really are disruptions. They're just not staying on task when you're doing transitions or something like that, or getting them to begin a new activity or to follow through with something that you're doing. But these don't seem like the behaviors we're talking about don't seem like they are rude and meant to purposely cause havoc in the classroom. Right, yeah. That at least is a is a great place to start, right? Because yeah. that would be a whole different conversation. So this here is really about creating a routine and classroom atmosphere where it's understood what they should be doing. So Now that we have that situation that's happening where you were saying that if they are working at their desks doing something, they'll get up and talk to another student or they don't follow through with the call and response or with TPR, it gets a little off track with what they're doing. So now I want you to put on your rose colored glasses and look at your classroom a couple of months from now where that's not happening. You're not seeing that happening. You're not feeling that that is happening. 
let's look at that ideal classroom scenario where this challenge has been effectively addressed. How would that look in your classroom where that's not happening? What are students doing instead of those things that feel productive for you? Transitions are a lot smoother. And I still, I of course, still want students to talk and have a voice, but it's on task, whatever they're saying, if that makes sense. Instead of going off and talking about something totally unrelated or, and yes, so we're, we're able to smoothly go from one activity to another. Um, and there's still voice and there's still conversation. It's in the present moment on what we're doing. You don't want any routines of classroom management to take out the joy in your classroom. Right. Right. That's, a, that's ideally what we want. So now if we look at a concrete goal, as we look at some suggestions, so based on what you just said, you use the word smooth transition, where students will go into a new activity without any disruption that goes right into it, that they're staying on task, that they're not getting off task. Let's use that as our goal. Does that sound like a manageable goal for us to say that we want to have smooth transitions and students stay on task? Yes. And um, one thing does come up for me, too, if it's okay mm-hmm. for share. Um, This is more of a particular student, but just making random comments in the middle of what we're doing. And I mean, I don't know if that's if we can tie all that in together. When it comes to individual students, that's one approach to the individual. And then there's the approach to the the group harmony that's happening as well. So we can definitely look at some of the individual possibilities. Let's start with sort of the group, and then we can add in some of the individual things. So let's look at at some suggestions here for how we can have smoother transitions. So I'll ask you first before I give one, what is something you think that would be helpful in a smoother transition? Um, well, I've used a bell in the past to get mm-hmm. their attention, like a, actually a little Tibetan bowl, and mm-hmm. that's sometimes helpful. And then I've set timers before as well, just so they have a clear idea of when something. Mm-hmm. I would say the first suggestion there is in terms of routine and consistency. This has very little to do with actual language acquisition and language teaching and all that, but just sort of what's happening in the classroom. My own experience has been that students Students respond best to routines that they are comfortable with because they know what to expect. If you have your bag of tricks of transition methods, things that you do to get their attention, look at perhaps that bell ringer that you were just doing or using the bell to grab their attention and if that has worked in some way to stay consistent and use that one. I think if you are changing how you're getting their attention each time, that's unexpected. And that is good because we don't want to get into a rut and a routine where you're always doing the same thing. So maybe you have two or three. If you're doing a listening activity, your attention grabber to move on to something else is always the same one when it's a listening activity. So maybe it's something that is nonverbal since they're already listening. So it's something that's nonverbal there. Whereas if they are doing a speaking activity with partners, then that transition might be one of the nonverbal cues, like the clapping that gets their attention, but not always something different because they know what to do, they know what to expect. And the other thing about that, and this comes from whole brain teaching. I've taught elementary school for a number of years, so this is something that happens in elementary classrooms where I think we can learn a ton about classroom management. And in whole brain teaching, it's 
this idea of the classe classe CC, which you actually mentioned earlier, it actually comes from whole brain teaching. The idea of it is we give too many instructions at once without realizing it. And so saying something to the effect of, okay, everybody, listen up, I want you to return to your seats and get a pencil and a piece of paper and listen to the directions. That's five things you want them to do. And we don't realize how many directions we gave. And if they're not completely tuned in, they only heard get a pencil. They heard nothing about listening to something. So when we do the the classe classe CC or the class class we we whatever it's a class yes response. So the first thing with that is to change up how you say classe so that it keeps it fun and the joy there. So it could be like classe classe or classe classe or classe classe. And they repeat the CC back the way you did it. So it doesn't seem like, oh, behavior management, you know, it's more fun. So that's the first thing. Then it gets the attention and then do one direction at a time. So now it's return to your seats, take out a pencil, And now we're going to listen and actually give them the time to do each one of those things and developmentally appropriately, depending where they are. I mean, high school students might be in a different place with this, but that idea of classic, classic, CC, and they go CC. And then you're like, okay, go back to your desk and do this and to do this and to do this and to do this. And we give them five things in a row without realizing it. So that's the, the first thing there in terms of transition. How do those sound about using in your classroom? I appreciate that. Yeah, that make that totally makes sense. I know I've done this before and I've seen teachers do it where they say, listen, don't, don't do anything yet. I'm going to give instructions. And then we give a bunch of instructions mm-hmm. and then we say go mm-hmm. to your point. It's often a list of you're Mm going to do this, then you're going to do that, then this, okay, go. Even the more you can bake in, I will say, those transition routines, you could even preload. So you're going to do the speaking activity and so that they know what they're going to do after. They can anticipate what that next activity is going to be. So when it comes to the end, then you can say, okay, here's what's next. Moving on to different suggestions here. Having a class plan that's visible for students to see. This depends on how structured you want your class to be. Do it in a way that keeps the joy in there. But knowing that these are the different activities we're going to do today, and so they know what's coming next. Also, as much as you can, give them the time that they'll be doing it. And one thing that I think we lose sight of is the amount of time students need to do something or should have to do something. When they have either too much time or too little time is when the breakdown happens. Mm -hmm. This were a more advanced class where they're novice high to intermediate low to intermediate mid and you have them on task and it's way too easy for them it's a very easy task they're going to finish it quickly and then they're going to get off task and the same thing when you have a novice level class where you give them an activity to do that's really only going to take them a minute and at the novice level sometimes it's not going to take more than a minute yet you give them five minutes to do it when they finish it in one minute what's their alternative now they're going to start talking and then you reining them back in becomes a problem so i think in terms of any activities that they're doing to find that sweet spot of how much time do they need and make sure that it's not too much time or even too little time i would always err on the side of not enough time 
because I always like it when we get to the end of an activity and students feel like, oh, I could have done more. And it's like, great, then you'll do more next time. It eliminates that factor of finishing and then getting off task. And at the novice level, and particularly looking at middle school, that means a lot of different activities. You know, that's just kind of the reality of it. And it's sort of, I want to have two activities in this class or three activities because it's a 50 minute class, but sometimes we just need more activities in there. What are you thinking about that? That, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed that sometimes that is what happens is mm-hmm. one student finishes early and then they go off and, and, and that's, that's the key thing too, is differentiation because mm-hmm. I have students often that there's quite the variety of you know, some students have never had Spanish before. Some have mm-hmm. had, had it for a while. So that's also another thing that to take into account. Um, one thing I've thought about getting doing better this year is when I give activities, giving kind of like a little challenge piece or a little extra something that students can do for the ones that have had maybe more experience than, than other students. That's an excellent idea. I love that. I was thinking about the idea of fast finishers, which is used in education a lot, right? And having something that is the go-to for fast finishers. And it doesn't necessarily mean something totally connected, although your idea was wonderful. I think if you could keep that up and that momentum and have the time to have the, the extension for those fast finishers, but outside of the time to do that with every activity, there's a go-to, whether that's Mm -hmm. they go over to a reading library or there's a YouTube station, somewhere where they want to go. And I would say that it's something that's individual because if it's not individual, then that allows for the conversations and things like that as well. Mm -hmm. We looked at this idea of the smoother transitions and uh, then keeping students on task, I think comes down to the amount of time and also making sure that the task is at their level. Right. You know, so there might be, because you said you have some students who are new to the language, some are continuing from the past, some have had a lot of experience. So depending on the activity that you're doing, you want to group them based on that. I mm-hmm. mean, sometimes you want to have a mixed group, but sometimes that if it's a speaking activity, you want the more advanced students to be together for this activity and the less advanced students together for this activity and mix them up for another one because a lot of those things are going to contribute to the amount of time that they need. Mm -hmm. And if you have a more advanced student with a less advanced student, then they'll go back to English because they end up having to explain things or feeling the need to explain things and then that can get off task. Mm-hmm. So all of those little things can, you know, contribute to it. Yeah. Um, so if we look at action plan, which I always like to do. So mm-hmm. for this week, perhaps look at your classroom routines and don't even implement anything right away. But spend the week looking at the places where you could use a routine because we have these ideas sometimes that we want to go in, find the place and then find the solution all at the same time. But just spend a week saying these are the places and then the following week say I'm going to use the same transitions and all of those places. And then as you go on, 
to make sure that you're displaying in the classroom what that plan for the class is so students know what to expect. When it comes to the individual student, like you had mentioned, there's that one individual student, right? I think that a lot of things like that come down to individual relationships and figuring out, is this because it's sort of a behavioral situation that is beyond the classroom routines that might be involved with some kind of behavior plan? So that plays into that. But if you just have a student that's excited, first off, yay, I wish we all had those students, right, that they're engaged because they're excited. But looking for ways to involve them. I have had blurters that have actually had diagnosed reasons for doing that in the classroom. And it wasn't from a place of negativity where it was happening. It was actually mostly on task, but I was blurting out the the answers. And so I just had to get in the habit of calling on that student every third student. And in that class, that's the way it went. And everyone sort of realized that. And if I did that, then it maintained it. That is a very particular situation with an individual student. But sometimes you just have to find those things and figure out what works individually with them. Feeling good about trying something out new this week to figure out where things are and then moving on? Yeah. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Victoria, for your time and your willingness to talk about this. I will put together all of these notes with suggestions and action plan, and I'm going to send them off to you. And then I'm also going to reach out to you in a couple of months and see how things are going. And we can have a check-in follow-up conversation. But thank you so much for your time and your willingness to talk with me today, Victoria. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Joshua. What insights or inspiration did you take away from that coaching session? If you want to dive deeper into your own teaching practice, consider joining me for a leveling up episode. Just click the link in the show notes and we can set it up. You'll also see a link while you're there for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the World Language Classroom podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Connect with me on X, aka Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at WL Classroom. And for even more valuable resources, visit my website, wlclassroom.com, where you'll find over 300 blog posts about language teaching. So stay inspired, keep growing, and continue making a difference in your language classroom.